Hey, everybody. Welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. If we take back the House and the Senate, I can assure you we'll have a vote on our bill. If the Democrats are in charge, I don't know if we'll ever have a vote. After they introduce the bill to define who they are, I thought it'd be nice to introduce a bill to define who we are. If you vote with the Democrats, we'll look more like Syria and North Korea and Iran. That was Lindsey Graham this week. He, he's putting forth a nationwide abortion ban bill. Uh, as predicted, Republican reaction uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't kind to Lindsey Graham. With regard to his bill, you'll have to ask him about it. In terms of scheduling, I think most of the members of my conference prefer that this be dealt with at the state level. I think the far better approach is the legislation that uh, Tim Kaine, Lisa Murkowski, Kirsten Sinema, and I have introduced, which would codify a number of, of cases and sets viability as the um, as the point after which states can impose their own regulations. I support the fact that you've got, we the people can decide this in 50 states, okay? Decisions concerning the hotly contested question of abortion go to elected legislatures. That's going to be principally decided at the state levels. I think that we need to be codifying Roe and not turning back the clock 50 years. That last one was Lisa Murkowski, senator from uh, Alaska. And uh, uh, what's interesting here is that not that long ago, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs case, which basically says this should be decided in the states. And lo and behold, Lindsey Graham decides, okay, it's time to now make that a nationwide ban. But, it, you know, what I don't understand is, is it's like Lindsey Graham woke up this week and was like, hey, Kansas, New York 19, Sarah Palin. Look at all these uh, uh, victories that the Democrats are having as a backlash to the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. I think it's time to hit voters with a national abortion ban. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, are these guys insane? Like, do they not get that voters, women, don't want white men crawling up their vaginas, fucking with their uterus? I'm sorry to... Lay it out that way, so medically, uh, but that's really what it is. And you, time after time after time, they just can't. They just keep crawling back up, crawling back up to the uterus, and the uterus keeps saying, "Get away." Uh, Donald Trump is up to his old uh, tricks again, making threats. I think you'd have problems in this country, the likes of which perhaps. We've never seen before. I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. What kind of problems, Mr. President? I think they'd have big problems. Big problems. I just don't think they'd stand for it. They will not. That sounds an awful lot like stand back uh, and stand by, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, God, fuck this guy already. I am so sick of his bullshit. I, I mean, I can't fathom that. We are in September 2022. The man has been impeached twice. With everything we know about J6, how is he still... 
I don't know. It's like if you went to a sporting event, right, a basketball game, and uh, one of the players punches another guy in the head, and then there's a big fight, and he comes out, and he has like a knife, and they grab the knife away, and they take it away, and then he charges into the stands, and he's like punching, you know, spectators, but, and, and then like third quarter, they come out of the locker room for the, after halftime, and like, and he's on, and he's on the court. He's playing again. You'd be like, how is he still playing? How is he not kicked out? How is this guy still playing this game? Not held accountable. Not I, I know, held but accountable. Just... But I'm hopeful, Andy. No, I, I'm, I guarantee that he gets indicted. So my, question, my, my concern is not that ultimately he won't get indicted, but it's like, it, it feels like it's now, like what more, he's, he's inciting more violence. He's, he's daring Merrick Garland. Because he's so, the, so selfish. What else could it be? But it's really not him. It's like, let him do what he wants. Like, if I walk out on the street and I start, you know, shooting people, it's not going to be my decision whether the police come and take me away, right? So his behavior aside, we know who he is, but how is it that he still gets to go on TV or the radio and threaten more violence, big problems, after Jace, after January 6th? It's, it's mind-numbing. Because he still is held as the leader of the party, and there's exactly. only two parties. And then when you couple what he said with what Grant, Lindsey Graham said last week, like these guys are literally firing up, firing up the crazies again. But I, but I, I don't. I honestly, I'm not afraid of that. I, I think those are now empty threats. I've said this. I've written about this. Like, there's not going to be another. January 6th like insurrection there's not going to be a civil war the the landscape has totally changed the mindset has changed there's now been you know ample evidence and examples of people who committed those atrocious acts on January 6th in prison now like there's there's a there's a, a beginning middle and end to that story versus on January 6th when these lunatics thought like they could just go off and you know daddy warbucks is going to bail them out because he's in the white house blah 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 and the whole country the whole they spent four years listening to his racist rhetoric and his big lie bullshit but now there's a new sheriff in town there's there's a new uh attorney general uh there have been almost a thousand prosecutions people are in prison these people aren't you know maybe you're going to have a a few crazies that go out and do something stupid, but we're not going to have that kind of violence that overtaking the U.S. Capitol because I think I think the minute it starts, it's going to be dealt with much differently than it was in January sixth because it, Trump isn't in the White House because Joe Biden's not going to sit in his fucking office and watch it on TV for three hours, even though half of the Congress is calling him to call up the National Guard. They'll probably shoot to kill the minute that happens which is what they should do, right? Whenever there's an insurrection, they should shoot to kill. So I don't think it's going to happen again. Maybe I'm naive. I don't know. Every time I say, like, something's not going to happen, it ends up happening. But I really don't think that's an issue. Um, the other big news which broke right last night um, is the uh, special master situation. So uh, you have this, you know, Judge Aileen Cannon, who just seems to be the most incompetent uh, uh, justice, but you know she's a uh, Trump appointee, and she is carrying his water. 
That's what it seems like. She's literally just carrying his water. And she agreed She uh, agreed to name Raymond Deary, who's uh, 78 years old. He's a former chief judge of the United States District Court, nominated by Ronald Reagan, served in the U.S. District Court for, you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, in 2012, he was appointed by Chief Justice, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts to a seven-year term on the U.S. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Uh, basically, this guy oversees the kind of shit that we're trying to nail Trump on. Personally, I don't understand why Trump and his attorneys put this guy forward, because anything Trump does like that, you assume he thinks this guy's in his pocket, right? Like, why would he put forward anybody who he thinks is going to be unbiased, objective, protecting the rule of law and, and defending our democracy? So that's my first question is like, why did they put this guy forward? Department of Justice agreed to it. So you know, they have an agreement. So the judge is going to say, okay, great. You both are okay with this guy? Fine. Um, but what she, she also rejected the uh, Department of Justice's request to separate out the classified documents. Um, she did say the FBI can continue to be part of the intelligence risk assessment uh, for national security threats. So there's there's good and very bad in this, but... The whole takeaway is just Trump, again, is allowed to stall, to delay. He's appointed a lot of justices. We're seeing the payback of that. If this is appealed, it's going to go to the 11th Circuit Court. Six out of 11 of the justices on that court are Trump appointees. But that's, you know, different than one uh, low-level unqualified, incompetent judge who gets to make a unilateral decision. You assume six of 11. I mean, just like on the Supreme Court, there have been there have been cases that came before Kavanaugh and, and uh, Gorsuch and the others, uh, Trump appointees, that Trump didn't win. So, you, you know, I still think at the end of the day, maybe one or two might vote, but you're not going to see six justices on the 11th Circuit Court uh, uh, uphold this this insanity. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive again. No, I, I think that uh, most legal experts agree with what you're saying. It starts with a three-member uh, portion of the court, and that's where they're going to appeal. I would assume they're going to appeal possibly as soon as today or Monday. Yeah. It uh, looks like today. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least on the what's happening this week front, um, in New York, Trump who's being sued in a civil case by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Um, she rejected, I guess, what is like a multiple offer to settle from Trump's team. Um, most people who offer to settle are usually not innocent. So that's like an interesting sign there. But she rejected the settlement offers, and that means she's uh, moving forward. Uh, this is a long-running civil investigation into Trump his Trump organization, its financial dealings, uh, specifically looking into whether the company fraudulently inflated or deflated the value of his assets on financial statements for personal gain. Shocking that he would do that, a man like Trump. Um, it's likely that one of his kids would also be sued, most likely Ivanka. Uh, the worst case scenario for Trump is that this, if he ultimately loses, it could shut down Trump organization. I mean, they could just it's it's uh 
the avenue of of funding from banks it would just it would just completely close up and so he wouldn't be able to function um but i think james herself has said that's not what she's ultimately looking for so i again it's another place i mean i can i continue to think that georgia the the j6 thing in georgia is where he's he's going down although the the records you know um mar-a-lago thing is kind of up there but hopefully something's going to shake loose because uh, it has to. I think this country is in a really, really bad place right now. You get too many people walking around thinking that no man is above the law except Donald Trump. And it's kind of disheartening when you continue to see, you know, issues like this special master decision. You know, it's like, why? Why? You know, the thing that I really that really upset me about that when I heard about it last night was that she questioned whether something was actually classified or not. I mean, imagine you put in a claim to your insurance company after you go to the doctor and the insurance company says, how do we know he's a really doc- he's a real doctor? How do we know that what he says you have, you actually have? You'd be like, shut the fuck up. You're an insurance company. You, unlike her, didn't go to medical school, Right. That's how we would deal with that. Now we have this judge, this young woman who is, again, unqualified. She's deciding unilaterally whether or not something might actually be classified, despite the fact that all the people who are in charge of classifying things have said it is. This is where we are in this country. Like, he has completely co-opted certain levels of our judiciary, which, which was his plan. Just stack the deck. And when you put people who, here's the thing, when you put people who are unqualified into a position they don't deserve, they know that. They know that better than anybody. So they're like, hey, I want to stay in this room. I'll just keep my mouth shut, do what the boss tells me, because I would never be here on my own if it wasn't for him. All right. So I'm really excited about our guest today. He is amazing, and I'm thrilled to have him here. He is Rick Wilson. He is a renowned political strategist, infamous ad maker, writer, speaker, and political commentator who in December 2019 co-founded the Political Action Committee, The Lincoln Project. He's the author of two New York Times bestsellers, Everything Trump, Touch, Everything Trump Touches Dies, which I loved reading, and Running Against the Devil, A Plot to Save America from Trump and Democrats from themselves. He also writes for the Washington Post, Politico, Rolling Stone, The Hill, The Bulwark, and The London Spectator, and frequently appears on CNN, MSNBC, NPR, and HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. He's a 30-year veteran of national politics who began his career in the 1988 presidential campaign of George Herbert Walker Bush. He's a merciless critic of Trump and Trumpism, and is credited by many in helping elect Joe Biden president in 2020. Welcome into the back room, Rick. Hey, Andy, good to be with you. So I just want to say before we get started, I think you're amazing. It it was almost like a Trumpian Kim Jong-un love at first sight thing when I first saw you <laughs> uh, on television. Uh, I think you had me at homunculus was maybe the moment where I was like, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's special. Uh, and I started using that word. Uh, for those of you out there who don't know what homunculus means, it's basically a very small human. Uh, Rick 
often refers to Trump that way. You are my spirit animal. Uh, I've said this in my life maybe a thousand times, but it's so appropriate to hear. Here, you are a true cunning linguist in every sense of the word. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, it uh, that that classical education was good for something, as I was as as I always say. Yeah, finally, I mean, finally got finally useful late in life. Well, watching you like verbally knock people out with the the speed and mercilessness of Mike Tyson has been a beautiful thing, uh, especially during the Trump years. There's a, a bunch of people, yourself included. I know I speak for a lot of people when I say when we were going through our anger and frustration, there was always the folks on TV who spoke for us and, and put up that fight, that verbal fight. We appreciate that, and it's a real well, honor to have you. Thank you for saying that. I, I I do I do appreciate you saying that, and, and and I will say this: the degree to which authoritarians like Trump want people to feel helpless, and want people to feel like they have to shut up, and they have to to pull back, and they can't express their frustrations or their feelings or their anger or their fear. Um. It, it, if I played a role in that, in letting people feel like they could punch back, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. If that, if that's something that, that gave people the, the chance to say, I'm not going to pretend that this is normal. I'm not going to pretend that these people are rational. I'm not going to pretend, and I'm not going to shut up. You know, a lot of times, hang on, dog, please, not. <laughs> you can hear them galloping. Are your dogs Trump supporters? Are they, they like, are not Trump supporters. Are they like right now barking like, that's not true, Rick. The reason they're the reason they're crazed right now is through the, my backyard. There's a group of wild turkey walking through my backyard right now, um, and and they hang on a second. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, Rick is now going to take care of his dogs so that they are not going nuts over the wild turkey. I am back. Sorry about that. It's one of the 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 upside of living in uh, in a kind of wild area of North Florida is that. It is very, very beautiful. The downside is that everything's trying to kill you, and um, and and I get everything here from uh, water moccasins to wild hogs to turkeys to deer uh, to the once in a blue moon black bear wandering around here. So it's kind of crazy. Well, um, I, I'm going to jump ahead a, a little bit because yeah. you just gave me an entree to something, uh, and then we'll go back to what you were saying before. But. Um, uh, Wednesday in the Miami Herald, uh, there was a piece that said Florida sees 50% rise in white power anti-Semitic incidents. And I didn't know this, but Florida is also home to the most January 6th insurrectionists. So I was going to ask yes. you to what you were just saying. There seems to be a lot of things wrong in Florida. Like, why, why does a guy like you still live there? Well, first off, I'm a fifth generation Florida man. Mm -hmm. And this, is, this has been... The, uh, which, which, by the way, uh, that's like being a, a leprechaun riding a unicorn. There, there are not many of us who come from such a long, long span of Florida, and I, I've, I built a great life here, mm -hmm. and I, and I enjoyed it. Now, kids are grown, all that stuff. So, you know, we'll see where I end up in, in, at the end of the day. But, you know, there, there were a lot of things I loved about Florida for a long time. It is a truly beautiful place. It is, it is, it is, yes, it is weird. It is strange. It is, you know, Florida man, all that stuff, but it's a truly beautiful place. I love the outdoors and, 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 you know, I, I fly and so it's beautiful flying weather here and, mm -hmm. and I like being out on the water here. So, you know, it, it is a, it's a gorgeous place and, and there really are a lot of wonderful people in the state. 
however we are a goddamn black hole magnet for crazy and 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 a lot of people that have moved here uh, in the last 20 years in particular you know they they don't have any cultural connection to the older the old florida um and and that and that's a shame in some ways because they are very vulnerable to that sort of desantis style um everything's a culture war everything's about you know it's either it's either you have to vote for desantis or you're going to have you know mandatory gay sharia marriage or whatever the hell they make up all these like what i call the imaginary demons and florida is a place where that is a fertile ground um it is it is full of retirees who watch a lot of fox and are on facebook all the time and the, those two sewage pipes feed them a lot of misinformation and they come to believe it and i have to say look back in 2010 we were doing a couple a bunch of campaigns in florida um but we started hearing these people out at town hall meetings and at Republican meetings saying things like, well, I heard on Glenn Beck that Agenda 21 means we're all going to have a mandatory tattoo and a microchip and they're going to track our moves and mandatory cameras in your house. And we're like, that's crazy. What are you talking about? That is insane. But that today would be considered fairly mild by the conspiracies you hear in the state of Florida now. Right. And as for the white supremacist groups, an awful lot of them live about two counties over from me. Um, there's a there's a there's a stretch between Tallahassee and Jacksonville, which essentially, if you want to talk about where the Klan in America is today, it's not just it's not Mississippi or Alabama, it's North Florida, and and there are a number of these groups out there that are that are that are very overt, um, and in a lot of places, they don't get rounded up they don't get arrested because a lot of the cops in the local places are in these groups yeah. and it is scary as shit well I, you have it nazis marching place. on the streets and was it orlando i mean that's kind of crazy uh-huh uh-huh you have a history as a gop operative uh i'm thrilled you're on my team now in any ways i mean over the years guys like me are like why can't my side fight like the other side and i guess you are on the other side as one of those uh ninja mm -hmm. warrior men um, and then something happened. Donald Trump comes along and unwittingly, where it matters, unites the country, right? He brings together not just liberals, but moderate Republicans like you and, and yep. Bill Crystal and Nicole Wallet and this one and that one and, and independents, okay? Um, so I'm thrilled that you you are you are you've joined you, people like you and and uh, others have have uh, joined forces with Democrats. Um, you came up through uh, Bush uh, 41, right? I did. Uh, I did. Over those years since the GOP has has literally like it's, it's gone off the rails. I mean, relatively speaking, the GOP has gone from like the Partridge family to the Manson family, right? <laughs> what, was the, what was the moment for you when you started and said, you know what, I put this Republican thing aside, I got to fight for the rule of law and use my voice to defend and protect democracy, not my party? Because to, just to throw you props for a second, all of the, the, the former, you know, Joe Scarborough, all the people who are now never Trumpers, a lot of them did it at great risk to their careers, you know, Joe Walsh, people that 
uh, and some, you know, to their lives. So, it, you know, and there's a lot of people yeah. who haven't done that. So the people who have do deserve some props. They've said, I don't care, you know, Liz Cheney, I don't care about, you know, my thoughts on abortion and guns and this and that. I love America right. and I love democracy. And that comes first. And when was that moment for you that you felt you need to, to do that? You know, Andy, that's a great question, and and I, I've written a lot about this, and I've I've obviously thought a lot about it. Um, and yes, it started on the escalator, um, and I, because in part I was kind of frustrated. I I had been uncomfortable with things in the party at certain on certain levels for a while. Uh, back in I guess it was in twelve or thirteen, I got in a huge public fight with Rush Limbaugh of all people, because he got a copy of a memo or, or Politico got a copy of a memo that I'd, I'd written about gay marriage. And I was like, in what universe is it the Republican party's business? What adults do, what, what competent and legal adults do in what way is that our business? And, and I was, I wasn't the first guy in the, in the Republican consultant consultant world to say we, we should legalize gay marriage, but, it got the attention of Limbaugh. And I and I, I was kind of like soured by that. I was like, go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> I have been a I have elected more conservatives than you can shake a stick at around this country. I, I've I've done races in 38 states. I've elected Republicans in places like New York and Vermont, for fuck's sake. And I was angry about it. But uh, you know, when 15 was rolling up, I was a Marco Rubio supporter. I was working for a super PAC for a bunch of California billionaires who were going to put in a lot of money. To help Marco, um, but I looked at the Republican field and I thought there is a whole diversity of opinion here. There's a whole portfolio of smart, interesting guys and women who will have a real discussion about the future of the party. Now, I at that point I wanted a Republican party that could speak to more people, that wasn't just going to play the tax cuts and tax cuts. We're going to want more tax cuts. Because I knew, as a fairly experienced Washington guy, the tax cut argument is bullshit. It never went to people down the down the economic scale for the most part, um, and, and especially the things that 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 you know are engineered by Mitch McConnell world. Those are to generate uh, campaign contributions from hedge fund guys. That's all they're they're there for. So. You know, when I when Trump came down the escalator, I think I tweeted at the time, I'm like, this is just Roger Stone's quadrennial scam to rip Trump off. Um, however, I, I don't I don't like where this is going, given where social media has leading the party. And, and I. I remember I, I was sitting out on my back porch. Um, that night and it was at, I have a big table out there. I, I when it's nice out, I sit there and I write work. And I was sitting there and I was like, what happens if Donald Trump starts sucking all the oxygen out of the room on these people? Because he's a bad guy. He's a bad man. He's a terrible person. And he will feed this monster that that every Republican consultant was at that point already scared of. The, the Tea Party base, the Palin base, whatever you wanted to call it back then, had always been a part of the of the Republican coalition, but they weren't the majority and the reason they weren't the majority is they are a naturally self-limiting phenomenon without a leader right and and i had a moment of clarity that I, I had a moment of clarity that destroyed my life in a lot of ways 
um, because as Trump rose in power, but I remember sitting out on my porch and I had a moment of clarity where I said, I'm going to oppose this guy. I can't do this. We can't let this happen. And then, you know, we got to the Mexican rapist speech and then the McCain thing. And, and I just, I was one of the first, you know, fairly prominent Republican consultants to say, no, not only no, this is bad, but this is a goddamn disaster for the country if we do this. And he'll win the primary. And while publicly I was trying to spin that he wasn't going to win the primary, I knew in my gut he would. So, you know, that was a decision that, that I think we had 16 clients, 16 candidates that year. Um, for six for for 2016, by the time Trump got the nomination, I had zero. I gave up everything, burned my business to the ground, um, went from being a very 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 profitable consultant uh, operation to basically almost losing my house. I mean that's that it went it went south and down fast. Uh, my kids were stalked and threatened. My daughter was in college, and you know we got on the alt right list and 4chan and 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 all the what was what what would it, what would then become the QAnon types. You know, stalked my kids, stalked me, threatened me. I had people show up at my house in the middle of the night. Yeah, I, you know, the all the crazy. And so, you know, I, I I had to really like I broke my I broke my life to do this and. The funny thing about it is I have zero regrets about it. Mm-hmm. Zero. I, I mean, I, I had spent a lot of years as a consultant doing my work, you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain, very efficiently, very cleverly, um, making a lot of money. And I felt like shit. I never slept. I mean, I used to sleep four hours a night and I, and I was just, it, it was a great business, not a great life. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're on the right side of history now, and that's important. Yeah, and and there is something about this uh, that that also made me like consider the state of of American conservatism, because I, I I the irony of this was that it was the cynical, jaded hack consultants like me and Stuart Stevens who actually believed all the things we were telling people, and the rest of the party never believed any of that shit. They didn't believe in individual liberty or personal responsibility or fiscal sanity or strong foreign policy or, or or any of the things we claim to believe in or constitutional law or the rule of law. They didn't believe in any of it. Right. Because to life. once none of the pro life, once Trump came in, once Trump came in the door, they realized they had an avatar mm-hmm. for all this rage out there. And they thought they could manipulate him. Do you think it's racist? Ra- Ryan, do you it, think it's racist rage? A part of it is. A part of it is. I, I will say that that it's more rage about a broadly changing world than just race. Race is a big element of that. Um, but I, I you know, I, I tell a story. I had a focus group that we we sort of did one of those like long haul focus groups. In 2008, we were talking to voters in uh, in outside of Detroit, in Macomb County, Michigan. And we had a guy who said, I voted for Reagan, I voted for Bush, uh, and, and, and he, he said, I voted for Dole, I'm voting for Obama. And we were fascinated, because this is a union guy, hmm. but he's a conservative, 
And he says, I'm a third generation. I work in a wire harness factory. I make this, these parts for these, you know, GMC vehicles, just like my dad did. And my grandfather did. We're like, okay, now why would this guy and religious Catholic, right? Why would this guy transition to supporting Obama? He goes, you know what? Because I used to work in the wire factory, but now I work in a goddamn call center and I make $8 an hour. I don't have health insurance and my son's on his third tour in Iraq. And we came back to see this guy in 12 and he was cranky and he, and he was, and he was going to stay home in 12. He didn't like Obama at that point. He, 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 that had faded because he didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get a return to the economic model that was in his head from the past. He didn't like Romney because Romney was an elitist in his head. And we interviewed the same group of people one last time in 16. And this guy was all in for Donald Trump. And I knew at that moment, this is the end of 15 we did this interview. I knew we were done. I knew the country was going to go off the rails because he wasn't just eager for Trump for the old, he, the guy used to want his job back. He used to want his life back. He used mm -hmm. to want to, he wanted to go back to being a respected member of the community, a guy who made a great living doing work with his hands. By the time 15 rolled around, he wanted to burn it all down. Mm -hmm. And Trump gave him a way to say, it's the brown people who are hurting me. It's the smart people who are hurting me. It's the educated people who are hurting me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fuck them all. And he, in that focus group, scared the shit out of me. I was like, we're done. Hmm. This is, this is going to go very badly. And so I spent a lot of, you know, 16 and, and early 17 trying to warn my Republican friends, like, this is not going to work. He's not normal. This is not regular Republican world. You can't manipulate him or change him. He is going to burn you to the ground. He understands his base wants one thing. He's going to feed it to them every damn day. He did. And, he but you know what's interesting? What, what you're saying is so true. And you remember people like Lindsey Graham. Remember what Lindsey Graham once said? Something like, if yep. you elect he's a Trump. Racist, bigot, he's, he's a racist, sexist, bigoted homophobe. And he's going to destroy America. Destroy, basically. Yeah, America. Okay. I want to know from your perspective, because you have such an inside track with these people on so many levels, what makes so many of them go from that place to sh literally shoving their heads up Trump's ass? I, I will tell you there are three fundamental underpinnings to the whole thing. One is that every politician is the most insecure, pathetic human being you've ever met at some point. They have a neediness about them. They have a desire to be loved and approved of and to hold those beautiful, easy jobs, to hold those seats. And Republicans understood then, and they understand now, that Trump has absolute control over the Republican primary process and the Republican base. I mean, of the of the like 116 races he's endorsed in, he's gotten his guy in like a hundred times. But they don't win. Like, look at all the special uh, it elections. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Andy, they're it not, doesn't matter. They're not stupid, it, are they? Stupid. But, if, but here's the thing: if Lindsey Graham. If there was a Trumper against Lindsey Graham in a primary and Lindsey Graham loses the primary, he's that's death for Lindsey Graham. That's worse than death for Lindsey Graham is to lose his his potential to win a 
to, to hold office. That's the first part. The second part is the legitimate terror elected officials feel about the Republican base. They are physically afraid of being killed. And the purpose of 1-6 was to try to overturn an election, but it was also another catalyzing moment for Republicans who said, shit, those people would have killed me. Mm, that's a great point. Those people, if he said to kill me, they would kill me. And I, I mean, I talked to, a, I mean, I, a Republican friends of mine in elected office in 17 and 18 were telling these stories about they'd go to their town hall meetings. And if you didn't immediately say, I will support Donald Trump in every way all the time, you'd be getting death threats by the end of the meeting. Mm. And I, one guy in particular got off stage and his wife had like 911 him about 25 times on his phone because he had refused to say, I will support Donald Trump 100% of the time on every bill. And if you live in that world, if you live in a world where absolute fealty to the dear leader um, is punished by physical danger, you don't live in a democracy. You don't live in, 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 a, in a rational political structure. You live in a post-democratic environment that is, that is going to either descend into pure chaos or pure authoritarianism. And I think we know where Trump would rather take us as authoritarians. So, and the third part of it is very simple. Um, there's a big kabuki dance in the media all the time. And that kabuki dance is that there are two sides to this equation, the right side and the left side. And they both have equally valid positions, ideas, and arguments. And so the people on the Trump side want to go on TV. They want to be seen. They want to be famous because they understand what we call the hamster wheel. The hamster wheel is your chance you go on Fox News if you're a Republican and you say, I'm proposing this bill to outlaw puppies. And it's outrageous. Whatever the outrageous bullshit you come up with is, right? Well, then you get to go on Fox News a day later and say, how dare America try to cancel me for outlawing puppies? And then they put out a fundraising email and say, did you see my hit on Fox News where I talked about outlawing puppies and the libtards tried to stop me? And it goes round and round and round. They right. want to be on that hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. Where So where does the, the potentially fourth explanation, uh, which is, oh, Trump must have something on all these people. Like he's got photos of Lindsey Graham bullshit. coming out of Chippendales no, or something. No, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. They're physically afraid and politically ambitious. Those, but don't those they know really where? They, I mean, but look, look. I, I mean, maybe I'm just a a naive libtard, but I look at it and go, "Is it, they're literally watching the demise of our democracy, our rule of law, mm -hmm. civility, yes. every single core value yes. that we all share, regardless of left or right." Are they they're okay with just all of that disappearing? Like I I don't I don't get it. Is there no end to it? Yeah, the conservative entertainment outrage complex. They understand what they're doing. Okay, Mark Zuckerberg is not stupid. He's evil, but not stupid. He understands the machine he built is the greatest thing to spread propaganda, particularly among the far right that's ever been invented. Lachlan and Rupert Murdoch know exactly what they're doing, and they don't care. They're all going to hit their quarterly numbers, and they're all going to keep getting very, 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 very rich. 
That is all they care about. We are going to amuse ourselves to death in this country by 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 those two modalities in particular um, that scare the shit out of me because you can't have a rational functioning democracy where your demand where, where, where one side demands that you treat the lie as the truth where one side demands that you treat falsehood and mendacity and evil as policy and right now the republicans are saying you know the terms of the debate are that that the choice is binary uh it's either us or antifa it's either us or blm burning your neighborhood down it's either us or pedophilia and that choice is not a true choice it's not a real thing but they demand that the political structure and the media structure in this country treat those things as if they were real which is why as cnn has decided it's going to turn to the right you suddenly see shows on cnn which you know said we're going to be straight up the middle objective news about hunter biden's laptop <laughs> i mean so all this lurid conspiracy bullshit it exists in society and all conspiracies have existed in every society they, they exist for a reason they give people who are not as educated or involved or or sophisticated a way to believe that they understand this esoteric secret that hides behind the rest of reality and it explains things for them and it lets them feel like they have a finally have some control over the world around them and what's going on and 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 how things are you know what the you know it's like sorry i'm going to go back and be a, a, a college philosophy nerd for five minutes um you know emmanuel kant once said you know they're the the types of knowledge is the phenomenon which is the unreal thing that you can see and you think that's the, that's what's the driver of things and the noumenon which is the unseen thing that is real well the republican party has substituted the phenomenon for the noumenon and that phenomenon is for them the spectacle it's the it's the it's the outrage of the day. It's the it's the crazy conspiracy of the day. Mm -hmm. It's not just that they're Mexican caravans. It's that their caravans infected with Ebola. It's that the caravans have Al Qaeda in them. It's that it's that you know. It's not just that there's that there's you know uh, Black Lives Matter is 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 in the streets in a city. It's it's a conspiracy to burn down all of Detroit. You know all these lurid crazy things. They're really appealing to people. They're really sexy. Let's them say, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not an asshole uh, for for hating black people, uh, because if I don't hate them, they'll burn down my city, and that logic is killing this country. Yeah, that that fake that fake infrastructure again. Well, that it's, is prop fed it's, pro it's all propaganda, and that's the sad sure. part. Is that I, I always wonder if one day the Trumpsters are going to wake up. And just be no. <laughs> utterly heartbroken that when they find out, if they ever will find out uh, how much they were lied to, not just by Trump, but by by all of the sycophants around him. Um, but, you know, you're right. Trump does instill fear in so many people. He is a bully. I think it was last week, uh, you guys at the Lincoln Project and maybe even Fox News were threatened with a lawsuit, right? This was your response on Twitter. Hey folks, wanted to say hi really quickly and to just give Donald Trump a message since you threatened to sue the Lincoln Project this morning, go for it. Go for it, bitch. 
come at me. I can't wait. We're, we're delighted by the thought that you would try to sue us, Donald. Do it. Do it. I double dog dare you. You're not going to sue anybody, Donald. You're not going to do shit. You're not going to do a goddamn thing. You are weak. You are impotent. You are flabby. We're here in this fight for the long haul because you are a threat to democracy. You are a threat to America. You are a threat to the republic. You are a threat to the Constitution. You are a thief of classified documents. You are a traitor to this country. You've tried to overthrow this government and the system of our, uh, of our peaceful transition of power. And fuck you. Those were the highlights of your tweet. Uh, you went on longer than that, which was the, 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 full, the full version was just, it was like poetic pugilism. And uh, everything, I mean, like, you, you have to understand for those of us like me who are sitting and watching you do that, it's like, yes, yes, yes. It's like being at a Leonard Skinner concert when they finally do Freebird. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And, but yet we see how his threats and his stalling and his, it's just, it's all part of his litigious bullshit that makes it possible for him to still be on like Hugh Hewitt yesterday threatening more fucking violence. How is that possible that in September of 2022, this piece yeah. of shit is still broadcasting more standby, stand back bullshit? That, that was, that was, I tweeted this yesterday. That is, that is 2022's version of stand back and stand by. And, and how did the Proud Boys interpret that message? They interpreted it by preparing to overthrow a democratic election on January 6th. So what do you think those people are doing right now? They're thinking, well, if he's indicted, that means we have to go out and start taking scouts. We have to go out and start kicking people's asses. We have to go out and burn things to the ground. And if you, once again, if you live in a country where physical violence is a part of the portfolio of political activity, you don't live in a modern democracy. And, and the fact that Trump made that threat, if Hugh Hewitt had a shred of integrity, if Hugh Hewitt had a, had a scintilla of integrity, he would have said, Mr. President, thank you for your time. We're, I'm terminating the interview now. That is an outrageous threat. Good day to you, sir. But Hugh, like many other people in the in the Republican entertainment media complex, um, knows that Donald Trump is going to be great for his clicks and, and great for his listens. So he's going to play this game and pretend that the world is normal and that Trump is normal and that this is a perfectly rational, normal thing for a human being to say. I, I, I can't emphasize enough, Andy, the degree of danger that people like that who who have for the last seven years now built these elaborate constructs to excuse their Trump pro-Trump behavior. Oh, well, he's just acting. He's playing to the crowd. That's just locker room talk. It's okay. Trump's a normal person behind closed doors. We can control him. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Those same people who believe they could control that monster. And I'll give you a great example. Josh Hawley, the day of the 1-6 insurrection, goes out, gives him the fist, and he's revving up the crowd, and he's in the, he's in the Capitol, and he's, he's arguing to invalidate the results of the electoral, electoral count because they wanted to basically remove the votes of millions of African-American voters in Georgia, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. 
And yet, when the mob broke in, Josh Hawley ran like a little bitch out of that building. He was scared to death. They, 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 they don't understand the forces they're playing with. They don't understand how quickly things turn dark. They don't understand that the anger and the rage of these people will transfer to them if they don't maintain a 100% pro-Trump uh, position at all times. I, I, I know, and I agree 100%, but it's like, at what point does it end? At what point do people like Josh Hawley, are they not able to to speak out of both sides of their mouths? Is there ever going to be a point where... Uh, the base just says, wait a second, I, I I saw you running. I saw you running. That's not, you know, fist in the... That's, no, that's, uh, the, that's the, cowardly the, bullshit, you know? Stop right. lying to me. We Is that live ever in a world, Andy, we, we live in a world now where they honestly have divorced themselves from all the old moral infrastructure of their past. If they ever believed in anything, it is over now. It is, if they ever believed in any principle or any policy... It's over. They believe in power. They believe that Trump is their best path to power, and they will hold to that till the very last minute. So you you wrote a book. It was called Everything Trump Touches Dies. Uh, tr- Twitter, the hashtag ETTD. So what I, I want to ask there. you. Am it's I, still out there on Twitter. Yeah, no, it's a great book. And uh, it was one of the things that got me through the, 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 the Trump pandemic. Um, but I got to ask you, listening to you speak, are we now... Are we now witnessing the ultimate of that? Trump touches democracy. Is democracy dying? Is it dead? Trump may have done mortal damage to our democracy. And and I I don't think the Democrats have, have fully grasped the degree to which he's willing to drive it all down. I mean, that quote on Hugh Hewitt yesterday should tell you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. He is willing to call his supporters to physical violence if the rule of law is applied to him he is he believes he is above the law he believes he is he is the law by saying i can declassify anything just by thinking about it <laughs> uh, but but the most frightening thing for people should be that trump has built a generation to follow him ron desantis as i was mentioning down in florida desantis is dangerous because he nods and winks, and the donor class, the billionaire class, all the people that love DeSantis in the in that in that class, they were Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio guys in 2016, and they hate Trump. They fear Trump. Their wives hate Trump. And by the way, the wives of billionaires are an unspoken power center in this country's political space. That is is there's a there's a great book about that, but. The, the the damage they're willing to do to be the next Trump is extraordinary. And the damage that they're willing to do to the country in order to ensure that in 2024, they don't have to riot. They're trying to build a structure and a system where either Republican legislatures or Republican judges or Republican governors become the final arbiter of what a vote means in a state. They don't want nonpartisan election boards or 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 voting machines or hand counts they want to say i don't like this election therefore it's invalid therefore it's donald trump 
Doug Mastriano has promised that, directly promised that, that he's going to put, you know, he's going to put his thumb on the scale. I'm going to prevent fraud and therefore Trump will win. Okay. So we're in a, we're in a very, um, we're in a very dangerous place for our democracy. Um, it is not unsalvageable, but we cannot blink an eye or take a day off from that fight. Well, there's ele- look, election I, I, deniers on the ballot in 27 states. I mean, flat out yep. election de- deniers. This yep. thing was and, stolen. And every single Republican running for Congress, every single Republican running for Congress believes or has said, they don't believe it, they've said it, that you know Joe Biden's not the legitimate president. Donald Trump won 2020. That's what they're, that's what they're willing to say. A, a, and I promise you, 95% of them know that's bullshit, but but 100% of them will not tell the truth about it. Well, what about the and, guy with, with, with the guy who just won in uh, uh, New Hampshire, uh, Dan, Dan... Dan Bolduc, yeah. Bolduc. Like he just look, completely flipped on his election denying. Yeah, and look, Bolduc is... He, Mitch McConnell's had a very bad year, okay? Um, he did not want Bolduc. He wanted mm-hmm. more. And 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 it wasn't a choice between a Trumper and a liberal Mitt Romney, George W. Bush Republican. It was a choice between a guy who loves Trump and supports Trump and voted for him twice versus a guy who is willing to burn down the elections. Now, which one is Trump supporting? The guy willing to burn down the election. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because Trump depends on the lie. He exists right now in the realm of the lie. And that lie is the empowering technology underneath his fundraising, underneath his primary choices, underneath his political power. It motivates his base, and it tells them that their anger and their outrage can continue. Remember, Trump lets everyone be the worst version of themselves. He lets everyone be the darkest iteration of their personality and their character. And because of that, that is a it, it's a drug that pokes at the human amygdala over and over again. People want to be able to be assholes mm-hmm. and, say, and be told, you're not an asshole, you're just mad for a reason. Or even worse, not it's okay to be an asshole. Yeah, sure. Right. It's okay. Right. What you're doing is justified. This is fine. Keep doing this. This is fine. It's not fine. It's breaking our country. It's not fine. And in all these cases, in all these, in all these, in all, in all these iterations of of the future that you can imagine, Donald Trump is almost certain to win the Republican nomination in 2024. Mm-hmm. And the people that are saying, oh, that's impossible. He's a spent force. It's over. We're the same people in 2016 who said he can't possibly win. There's no way he'll win the primary and he'll never beat Hillary. Do not have a failure of imagination on how bad things can be. Mm-hmm. I tell people this a lot. And so as we go forward, the 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 follow-on Trumps, they've embraced this sort of really nihilistic, shitty, like own the libs is the only thing that matters, mm-hmm. victory, victory or death. And that is a place I think is incredibly dangerous for this country. I think it is incredibly um, uh, corrosive 
to 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 our to to these small d democratic principles in the in the country. Mm-hmm. And if we don't check it, and I mean it's going to take a lot more than policy to win this stuff. So right? as as we get to the the end here, I want yeah. to ask you about the midterms. What's your prediction? I still think that based on redistricting structures alone, you know, on the redistricting structures alone, Republicans still have a very good chance to win the House. Mm-hmm. The political climate has changed, but it is not fundamentally changed. Okay. The political climate is different, but it's not fundamentally different mm-hmm. um, in, in that respect. Now, the Senate races are much more promising. And in, in respect to the Senate races, Again, Mitch McConnell's had a bad year. That's why they're right now poking money into places like Colorado and Oregon. Because they wanted Dave McCormick in Pennsylvania. They got Dr. Oz. They wanted Jane Timken in Ohio. They got J.D. Vance. Mm -hmm. They wanted anybody except Blake Masters in Arizona, and they got Blake Masters in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of of these people who who are unlikable, who are extraordinarily out of the political mainstream. I don't mean like a little bit. I mean, crazy town. When J.D. Vance comes out and says um, that women should stay in abusive marriages because the institution of marriage is important, mm-hmm. that's insane. That's not that's not normal. That's not, that's not a regular Republican. That's an insane person. So the Democrats have a lot of opportunities they didn't have um, because of, A, the, the, the MAGA candidates being at the top of the ticket. B, the Dobbs decision has sort of altered the political playing field with women. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and, and, you know, I come from a pro-life Catholics kind of-ish background. And, and the idea that, that life is sacred is, is, is a philosophical point that exists, I, in my opinion, in the political are in the personal and the religious realm. In the political realm, government ought to leave people alone. And that's sort of where the country was at on it. Two presidents in America set the abortion tone and actually nailed it perfectly, and they couldn't have been more more opposite from each other. George H.W. Bush said, I oppose abortion except in the cases of rape, incest, and the life of the mother. That was right in the sweet spot of where a lot of Americans were. And then Bill Clinton said... Abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. No president, no candidate, nobody in America believes women should be spied on and you should set rewards and bounties to snitch on them if they have an abortion. Or, or that or that 10-year-old girls should be forced to carry rapist that, babies. Yes, exa- exactly. And that, and, that, that, and that you eliminate the exemptions to the life of the mother in particular and, and for rape and incest. And, and yes, you know what? Those those exemptions may offend certain people on the on the on the edge, but even most pro-life people still believe in the rape incest life of the mother exemptions. So when you have a child that's going to be born without a head, which is going to endanger the mother's life, that is an exemption they are fine with. When you have an ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. and I, I have a friend who's had, God bless her, she's tried to have a child so many times. She had multiple miscarriages and ectopics. She would die in this case. Mm-hmm. She would die. She would Absolutely. die. And and I'm sorry, they they the dog caught the car on abortion this year. So it has changed the political battlefield pretty meaningfully in the country. And the third part of this is 
that Biden has actually started to bring his numbers back up. Mm -hmm. Gas prices are coming down. Inflation isn't out of the picture yet, but it's certainly moderated from where it was. And it certainly never um, hit the heights the Republicans were hoping that it would, because they were praying for massive, terrifying um, inflation. They really wanted an economic disaster. Um, and they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it. So so the, the battlefield is much more level than it was. It's much more advantageous than it, than it could have been. Um, but it's not easy. You know, you, 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 we always say this, and I've, I've told candidates this for my entire career, run like you were 20 points behind because you might be. Right. Well, my last so, question to you is not political. We here in the back room, okay. we like to get a window into someone's soul. And uh, sometimes the best way to do that is to find out what music they listen to and like. So who's give us your top five musical artists of all time. Oh, God. Um, top five musical artists of all time. Um, so I come from a very broad musical tradition in my family. I grew up with my dad listening to like old blues 78s. So, you know, I, I grew up like a, like a lot of Willie Dixon and Blind Lemon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, man, you know, uh, look, I, I think The Clash is the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Mm. Okay. That's I, I, I still believe that. I'm a giant Pet Boy Stan, uh, Pet Shop Boy Stan. The last few years, I've listened to a lot more EDM-ish things and, and, and a lot more, you know, more techno type stuff, which is a, a source of enormous amusement to my children. Wow, you going house um, on us? I've 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 been known to. I've been known to. Um, big fan of London Grammar, and of course, you know, and the other part of my of my upbringing was was classical and mostly you know like Baroque, high Baroque, you know, Corelli, Locatelli, Vivaldi, Albinoni, Bach, you know, so. It's a it's a mess. It's a big old mess. I listen to a lot of stuff. Well, I think I think we actually did just get a window into your soul. <laughs> so my final final question. This is more fantasy on my part. Or, or so are you a yeah. uh, are you a closeted Democrat now? Have you fully come to the other side? No, I, I'm still an independent. Um, and I and I I I, I have to say, it's like. I'm doing my best to help the Democratic Party because they're the only pro-democracy party in the country right now that matters. Um, they're not a perfect party. Nope. And they have a lot of flaws and, and a lot of things that they're wrong about. Mm-hmm. But they're not wrong about the big thing right now. Right. And the big thing is the big thing. The big thing is democracy. Well, we are very happy to have you in that trench with us. I sort of assume that once we're, once we're done with Trump and Trumpism, you're going to go back to doing your Rick Wilson thing and we'll butt heads again. But. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that Andy, honestly, I wouldn't assume that I'm not, look, the, the conceit of a lot of people in the never Trump movement is that we can rebuild the Republican party. Mm-hmm. As, as you There's should, no there's nothing wrong with two parties. We should no, have two but there, parties. But, but, but here's the thing, the base of the party, you really think that people, even in the post Trump era are going to go, Hey, we can't wait to get Rick Wilson and Bill Crystal back in the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. So, well, hopefully look, we're going to build a we're going to build something else in this country because this country does have a, a a providential nature where we get lucky. Even though no matter how stupid this country can be, we all, we often get we often have a fortunate outcome for the people of, the, of this country. Um, and I'm hoping that we're going to see 
look, I would love a reformed Republican Party in some ways because I do believe the country needs a center left and a center right mm-hmm. party. I think that had functioned pretty well over time where nobody ever got everything they wanted and nobody was ever really, really happy, but the system functioned without too many wild swings in, in, in any crazy direction. Right now we have swung into a very dangerous zone and right. I hope the pendulum swings back. I'm going to do my best to make it do that. Well, so, you have, mil- thank you for having me, Andy. There's a lot of, there's millions of people like me who, who you have the support of in, in that rebuilding because uh, we, we have to get there. There's no alternative. So Rick, thank it's you true. so much it's for true. coming in here and uh, being honest and giving us your insights and we hope you'll do it again. Soon. Anytime. Take care. Thanks, Andy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it. Episode 16 in the can. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so leave us a message at 845-307-7446 or email us at backroomandy at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Osprey. Thank you to my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Matty Rosenberg, our Jane of all trades, Jan Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our logo design andy hollander for our kick-ass music patricia wind and the epicurean for the backroom studio and a big thank you again to our guest the irrepressible amazing rick wilson so keep your eyes on washington hollywood and your own backyards and we hope you'll join us again next time have a great week <laughs>